Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we abandon and withhold attention from the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Thomas Johnston, and this dilapidated Texas Cadillac is my sister, Mary Johnston. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> you just want to be an old, you want to be an old, an old car with car horn, with cow horns on front of it? Speaking. Do you think I could put long horns on the front of my Prius? I think I think that would send very mixed messages, but that seems very memeable, doesn't it? It's just making me laugh so much. I, the only person I've ever known to actually put horns on their car was this dude who was like strangely into like guns and eventually entered the military in high school. And he had like, I don't know what kind of car he had because I'm not a car guy. Cars aren't my guys, but... <laughs> They, he had some sort of like big car and he like made an enormous deal about getting car horns, but he ended up getting car horns that if you like hung them on a wall, I guess you would think they were impressive, but they were probably like a foot and a half, you know? Oh yeah. So on the front of his car, they looked absurd because you're not supposed to put car horns necessarily on big cars unless they're like abnormous. You're supposed to put them on like a caddy. Right. But like a caddy is big. A caddy is big, boats. but a caddy is low. So, like, the uh-huh. t- I think that I here's what I think. I think your car horns tips should stick up enough from your hood so you can oh. see them. Wait, hold on. Is the problem with these horns that they were short, not that they weren't long? The problem with these horns were that they were short and they were short and uh and they were just not miniature. Long, yeah, just like just, Jeffrey just Epstein's wangalang. <laughs> mysterious egg-shaped penis mysterious teardrop slash egg-shaped penis yes mary i think it is quite laudable that you're going to try to boost our our listening numbers by turning this into a jeffrey epstein podcast very zeitgeisty well it's definitely going to place it in a, a period of time before uh the the clintons and or the trumps um bury any sort of knowledge that epstein ever existed into the sea well i i, I mean i must confess i don't really know who we're talking about so Yep. Jeffrey Epstein. Two Jeffrey plus Epstein. two equals five. I know. Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that rat was going to eat my face. The I don't rat know was going to eat you. my face. So I forgot about Jeffrey Epstein. I thank you. <laughs> In the memory hole. Who? Well, yeah. now since we've gotten super dark, let's talk about Brave Little Toaster. And oh. you have suggested that we attempt to sing a song for the Brave Little Toaster, which I think is incredible because a lot of the songs are not easy. Like they no. have complicated I think, lyrical I think you gave it away. Structure. I thought I was just going to surprise them with a little bit. We can even we could even have practiced a little bit beforehand. I feel like most of our listeners, even if they consider themselves total toast heads, will not have watched it recently enough to know that what we're doing, and they'll just think that we've gone fully crackpot. No, they'll I think, think they're ready for think... the booby hatch that someone's going to have to run around and catch us with a big umbrella with a big net. <clears throat> but you want me to attempt to sing. You want me to attempt to sing my part of Worthless, right? Yeah. You want to practice? Uh, <laughs> worthless. <clears throat> Once took a Texan to a wedding. Once took a Texan to a wedding. He kept forgetting his loneliness, letting his thoughts turn to home. And we turned. I took a man to a graveyard. I beg your pardon, it's quite hard enough. Just living with stuff I have learned. Worthless. This song, geez. Okay, so can we talk about just this song for a second? Yeah, sure. So this song is like full (laughs) of We're like the format. (laughs) No, no, no. I I want to talk about specifically about these two two pieces that you picked from this song. Sure. So... 
this song is full of a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, do you think that this, so these two cars are destroyed together, one on top of the other. Right. Do you think it's the same man in question? Is, think, do you think that the man in both of them is the same man? I think that I think that you could maybe read it that way. Uh, it could also be that, you know, they're both limousines because one's a hearse and one's like a wedding car. It could be about like duality. Definitely the lyrics in the song are very uh, like especially like some of the parts with the surfing car and stuff. My hand was something about, like I had a hand in the lay of the land. We're just kind of like, what? What does that mean? I yeah, think it's full of it's pretty opaque. I, I kind of feel like a lot of it's full of a bunch of symbolic language and imagery. Here's what I think that happened. ultimately symbolizes nothing. <laughs> Here's what I think happened. I think that that it's, I think it is the same man. Right. Mm-hmm, sure. And I either think that it's supposed to like it's it, I think it's a weird inside joke like weddings and funerals. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or I potentially think that it's a it's a quiet suicide reference. What? And and suicide in the brave little toaster, Mary? No way, right? <laughs> There's no suicide. Do you think? And okay, but I mean, even like you want to pick this apart. He kept forgetting his loneliness, letting his thoughts turn to home. Okay, and we turned, and we turned off the road, and that's why they had to put him in a hearse. Right. So did he die on? I mean, like, like, <laughs> like it could so. be the same guy. Is it the same guy? Like five minutes apart? Yeah, I or, think you know, it's the same guy in quick succession. I yeah. do like that the the hearse is like I've I've seen some things. I've seen some things. It's quite hard enough just living with the stuff I have learned. Now I have to get smashed into. Um, I get to have to get smashed by a bunch of other machines with with who do not care about the fact that they're my executor. So maybe, maybe we should maybe we should uh, introduce this. We are here. Tuxedo T-shirts fully affixed for another cinematic outing on Crypt Creepers. Hooray for Hollywood. Hollywood. I am completely nude from the waist down, uh, keeping with most broadcast uh, uh, practices. Oh, and also and keeping with Hollywood practices. You're in the uh, the Weinstein and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the locker room, ladies. <laughs> That's right. No, um, Lasseter, but, but we're talking so about, pleased for you. We're talking about the Brave Little Toaster, which is probably the single scariest film I remember from my childhood. On rewatch, uh, it might be the scariest film I've seen now. <laughs> I, this is easily the scariest thing we've seen while making this show. Scarier than Midsummer for sure. Is it scary? Is it, it is, is scarier it? than Midsummer. Yes. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> It is. Maybe if there were like some Swedish appliances, if Ikea featured more prominently. <laughs> Ikea would not. Ikea doesn't believe that any of their appliances have any feelings whatsoever. Re that amazing commercial about yeah, that your great lamp commercial. not having feelings. <laughs> right. I thought about that. I, I Ikea, th- Ikea basically is like, Brave Little Toaster, that's a bunch of BS. <laughs> it is. It's like a bunch of sentimental US BS. <laughs> um, we um, consume <laughs> Ikea, consume. <laughs> consume but like don't it's like it's like ikea consume but don't be a puss about it yeah come on consume and don't be pussy don't be a pussy um (laughs) i would you like to tell us uh what the brave little toaster is about yeah Uh, because anything that follows will make no sense if you don't have a pretty good synopsis five appliances a toaster a lamp an electric blanket an am radio and a vacuum cleaner Band together to search for the boy who once loved them, the master. Through their adventures, they'll learn that kinship and family are in short supply in a world of appliances. 
Also, there are musical numbers. You know, when you describe it that way, it seems like it's going to be a reasonable enterprise. Right. This seems like a movie that would be totally fine to show children. And yet, and yet. So right. I, I, we have to get started right away because I have so much to say about the personnel for this picture. Oh my God. These pe- this is, we have landed in the, in the movie equivalent of the Island of Misfit Toys. This is <laughs> wild. All right. <clears throat> so at the very, very top, we got the director, Jerry Reese. He might be the least interesting person involved in this film. Don't tell um, his mother. Hmm? Don't tell his mother you think that. Uh, well, no, in this case, that's a good thing because everyone else is like <laughs> crazy. Um, so this is the third movie he would ever direct. Um, and he would go on to direct a bunch of media for Disney experiences. For example, he directed that little video clip that you see before you enter the rock and roller coaster where Aerosmith comes out and oh, like, talks to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also, but he, he's kicked around Hollywood a long time. He's, he also produced Space Jam, which I'm sure he's still making residuals on. I would hope. Um, yeah. And he movie also. rips. Right. And he was, and, you know, right. He was like clearly involved with Disney from the, like for a long time. He was an ground art- floor, ground yeah. floor. If ground floor is like the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> and he was uh, an art director for the uh, original 1982 Tron movie. Okay. That's Jerry. Right, cool. Sure. Uh, then you you so you put this outline together. You neglected to include the most interesting person who I'm going to get to mm. right now, who is the person who wrote the Brave the Little novella. Toaster novella. The yeah, book, yeah. folks. Who knew? Mm-hmm. And his name is Thomas M. Dish. How would you pronounce that? D i s h c h. Yeah, or maybe it could be like Deitch or Dyke. Di- I, Dite. Bet I bet it's. Okay. I bet it's. I bet it's Deitch. Whatever. Uh, so this guy has like a fascinating and very, very tragic life. So he grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. He moved to New York City when he was 17. And he basically knocked around and worked a bunch of odd jobs, which were all kind of glamorous seeming. But, well, you'll see how it turns out. So he was an ex for one of the more interesting things he did was he was the extra for uh, the Metropolitan Opera. Um, and also several of the larger ballet companies in New York. But he was there like in the first year. And then when he turned 18, he was penniless. He felt like he didn't know anyone in the city and he was gay. So he felt like an outcast. So he attempted suicide by a gas oven, but it failed ultimately. So then he decided what he would do is he would enlist in the army, which when they gave him his psycho valves were like, oh, no, we can't give you a gun. And then instead committed him for three months to a mental hospital. When he was discharged, he got a job as a copywriter. Then he was an insurance underwriter. He briefly pursued architecture and eventually settled on this routine of publishing sci-fi novels and novellas for adults while working odd jobs. Like he would like sweep floors at a bookstore. He was a mortuary assistant. He did a bunch of stuff. Um, because he, but, but, you know, his main work and what he considered and what he was successful at was writing science fiction novels. So mm-hmm. much so that he became a friend of Philip K. Dick's. Mm-hmm. Um, but Philip K. Dick also kind of was a little bit crazy at the end. I, I think that's, that's, that's quite an understatement. Yeah. And yeah. Um, near the end of his life, uh, Philip K. Dick would write an inf- like this infamous paranoid letter to the FBI, basically denouncing his friend and suggesting that there are coded messages for a covert operation. 
um, in one of his in one of the novels that he wrote. Um, but that's okay because uh, Daesh would go on to um, write an entire novel about Philip, Philip K. Dick near the end of his career called The Word of God. And in this story, um, Dick is dead and living in hell. And his punishment is that he is unable to write. Um, and the only way that he can uh, get out of his writer's block is to drink human blood. But so he makes a deal to go back in time, not sure why, to kill uh, Daisha's father so that Daisha's never born. But unfortunately, at the same time, uh, Dick kills Thomas Mann and therefore ensures that Hitler wins World War II. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so yeah. he also wrote The Brave Little Toaster. Um, right. It first appeared um, in uh, 1980. Uh, in, a, in the magazine of the fantasy uh, in this magazine called the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. Um, this is a magazine generally considered for adults though, not like specifically adult oriented, but the brave little toaster was written in the style it's for, of a, it's, it's for grownups. It's not porn. <laughs> it's not porn uh, written in the style. It's written in the style of like a children's fable. So technically it's a children's book, but not published as one. It's like a, um, it's like an animal farm kind of situation or what is it, like Flatland is kind of written like it's supposed to be a children's book, but like definitely isn't. But not because it's indecent. Yeah, but it was uh, it was really well received by the critics. Um, yeah, it was nominated for Hugo. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. and the New York Times gave it this review, a wonderful book for a certain sort of eccentric adult. You know who you are. Buy it for your children and read it for yourself. Whoa. <laughs> That's like a bunch of innuendo that doesn't help you. A yeah. certain sort of person will like this. Maybe it's for you. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, his partner died in 2005 of presumably natural causes. And he fell into a deep depression. Um. And eventually this ended with, at the age of 68, he uh, killed himself with a gun on the 4th of July in 2008 in his apartment. This individual had a a tragic life, as I said at the beginning, like a a fascinating but tragic life. Also, you know, being being one assumes sort of peers with guys like Philip K. Dick sort of coming up in that maybe post Heinlein, but sort of Heinleinian kind of... uh, generation of science fiction writers they sort of you know are these guys with too much imagination who kind of knock around and then fall into writing for science fiction serials and then that becomes their career it's 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 kind of wild to think i don't think that that that's not a literary atmosphere that exists anymore right it's hard to imagine that it ever existed yeah it seems kind of it seems unlikely no matter what but there you have it (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I think um, I, so. I, I read some kind of uh, synopses of the original story and everything. And as we'll we'll get to, I think that uh, this this animated feature deals, I think, a lot with abandonment and depression and uh, frankly, suicide. I don't know how much of that is true to the original thing. I, I haven't read it, but the synopses I read don't seem to imply that this is like a weirdly dark story. Um, and I, yeah. so I don't, I, I don't I don't know how much of it. I don't know how much. 
Do you know what I mean? I, I don't yes, know how much of yes. this is 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 from the author. When you read about this guy, though, and you watch the Brave Little Toaster, you right. feel things start to click into place a little bit. Right, right. Though also it can also be the whole like everything is obvious once you know the right and once you know what happened. You know, right? They, they had he, sure, absolutely. He, he um, won't commit. He won't commit suicide for twenty years. We uh, cannot you know, spend any more out. time on him because there are so many people to talk about. I'm so right, sorry. Yeah. We got to charge on. Let's do. Let's keep um, going. Now let's go to John Lasseter. So this is the who's that? <laughs> this is the Pixar guy, right? So he cut his and teeth. He never did a bad thing ever. We'll get to all the bad things he did. Um, <laughs> you know what you did, John. <laughs> he does. Uh, so he cut his teeth as an am- animator at uh, Disney. And he worked on such film as <laughs> The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Nightmare Before Christmas, and The Lion King. Maybe you've heard of one or two of those. Um, he was fired, actually, from Disney um, kind of over The Brave Little Toaster. So he pitched, he wanted to, The Brave Little Toaster came onto his plate. He wanted to use it as a proof of concept that uh, emerging animation technology could be incorporated into the Disney style. He wanted to basically do what they did in um, the ballroom dancing scene of Beauty and the Beast, but use it for everything. Do a completely computer animated background and then layer um, two-dimensional cell animations on top of it. And so he actually made like a little like 30-second video to pitch this idea and shopped it around Disney. And in the process of doing that, Basically, I, I don't quite understand why this was so um, why people got so angry about this, but he stepped on a lot of toes and Disney was like, you know what? You fired. So, and- so yeah, I, I, I read a little bit about this. So um, wh- what we point out is Brave Little Toaster predates all this work he did with the Disney Renaissance. He worked he worked at the, he, he sort of worked at Disney. This was kind of his fr- the Brave Little Toaster, sort of his first big animating break. And my understanding was that the suits like the idea of using computer hybrid animation because it would be cheaper, but it wasn't right. cheaper. And in fact, was maybe more expensive. <laughs> and uh, so they, they, didn't, they didn't like that. And I think he had alienated and, you know, you know, being a visionary, difficult man. It, I can't imagine why those people have trouble getting along uh, in collaborative environments. And so he was out. <laughs> right. But that's OK, because he got scooped up by Lucas Films, which then eventually would become Pixar and went on to uh, be the executive producer on all Pixar films up until this point. But he also directed Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Cars, and Cars 2. Maybe you're starting to see a theme here with um, inanimate objects that have eyes. Mm -hmm. And also bugs. Also some bugs. (laughs) Also there's some insects in there. Also there's some bugs with eyes in like the wrong spot and not enough of them. Yeah. so, of course, Lasseter has taken somewhat of a fall recently. He has admitted to um, sexual misconduct in the workplace. Um, this has been described as grabbing, kissing, and making comments about physical, physical attributes. attributes. Um, and it was no secret at Pixar. In fact, Pixar hired and, and put put in place special little minders who were tasked with reining in his impulses. Um, so, Seems like a totally legit and normal, safe, good thing to do. 
fine. So last June, Disney announced that he'd be leaving the company. He was fired again. <laughs> but he got that's, canceled. He got canceled. Yep. But they were going to wait for his contract to expire, and then he would take on a consulting role. So he's still technically at Disney. Yeah. This is definitely one of those like, you know, and now he will be given twice as much money. I don't I don't know. I don't know the details yeah, of the deal, basically. but you know, like, he's kind of like he yeah. will now do no actual work, but still be paid. Yep. So he does have a producing credit uh, for Toy Story 4. Um, and uh, he also will ha- be considered an executive producer for Frozen 2. And how long until there are, if not already, bronze busts of him out in front of things or like him giving a crisp high five to Uncle Walt? How long before? I don't know. It depends on how much he fumbles with his poncho while he tries to put it on next to whatever the Walt Disney equivalent of Michelle Obama is. Uh, Yeah. Um. So now we're finally at the cast. That's just like the people who are working behind the scenes. I'm sorry. Do you mean the visionary geniuses? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. Um, So what's funny is it's cast in order of appearance. You would think the toaster would get prime billing, but uh, no, the toaster doesn't talk first. Yeah. Nope. Also, the toaster is very boring. Probably the most boring character. So John Lovitz is the radio in this. Uh, Everybody knows who John John, Lovitz is. John Lovitz. (laughs) Everyone knows who John Lovitz is. Um, My bit is just irritating. (laughs) Yeah, he was in Saturday Night Live for five years. He also was Jay Sherman on The Critic, Thomas's favorite TV oh, show. Oh, mendacious lies. And he's it also stinks. his big credits also include uh, the, the movie Big, A League of Their Own, The Wedding oh. Singer and an episode of Tales from the Crypt from season three, which we will mm-hmm. eventually get to. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so. He was cast to do this, but then immediately after landing this gig for Brave Little T, he got cast for Saturday Night Live. So basically, Jerry Rees, the director, was like, Love it. Like, I, I gotta have Love It. Get me Love It. Gotta have him. So he begged him to stay in LA long enough to record all of the radio's lines, which are a lot. He's like probably one of the most verbose of everybody, anyone in this film. Right. And he so, did them all in like one monster marathon take, yep. right? Yep. Or like he recorded the recording, entire whatever. thing in a one marathon session uh, <laughs> and then and then jetted off to Saturday Night Live. Um, Timothy Stack is Lampy. Um, and he is most notable to us, at least, in that he's also going to be in an upcoming episode of Tales from the Crypt, season two, episode 17, My Brother's Keeper. So oh, keep your eyes peeled we'll for Lampy. We'll see him even before we see Lovitz. That's right. Um, I didn't find that much about, about Blanky, so I'm moving mm-hmm. past him. Sure. Although he, he does, Blanky, he does a, does a heck of a weird little kid voice. Yeah. Also, Blanky also did the, or, uh, Day also did the work, <laughs> the work for, uh, Young Rob and also Master, maybe? Or maybe just Young Rob. Young Rob, the Master. Yeah, I guess. Oh, you mean, is he, is he grown-up Rob? I don't think so. Grown-up Rob is a different guy. So he's just all the tiny children voices. Yeah, like, anybody who needs... I can't really do it. Yeah. yeah. Then we have <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft. <laughs> Which is what I will name... <laughs> Should I have another son, I will name him Thurl. Thurl Ravenscroft Johnston. I think it's a stunning name as Kirby. No, yes. Yes. So this guy slaps. This guy is so cool. Yeah. He's a voice actor and a bass singer. He kind of has like a Tennessee Ernie Ford sort of yeah. voice. His, um, his voice is like all over Disney. <laughs> and all over everything. He's the voice of Tony the Tiger for more than They're five decades. Great. Yeah. Um, and also he uh, sang You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch for the classic uh 
tele- mm-hmm. Christmas television special, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, he also did a ton of voiceover work and singing for Disney um, in their attractions. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the singing busts in the Haunted Mansion. He's one of the yeah. bears in the Country Bear Jamboree. He provides the uh, the drawling um, the drawling narrating of uh, Mark Twain's riverboat. I assume is Mark Twain. He's one of the voices. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine them trying to do? So weird. Who knows? He's one of the voices in Pirates of the Caribbean. He yeah. is the voice of the Disneyland Railroad. He's all, and he's also Fritz the parrot in the Enchanted Tiki Room. Also, I think Thurl Ravenscroft is like straight up his real name. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> he also, of course, is in scads of Disney movies. So he is the Russian cat in the Aristocrats. He is oh, yeah. Paul Bunyan in Paul Bunyan. With um, my double-bladed axe and my hobnail boots, I go where the timber falls. Yeah, he's also, that slaps, too. He's also He also did, like, animal sounds a lot. So he's also Al the Alligator and Lady and the Tramp, who I don't think speaks. I think he just makes scary dinosaur noises. Um, <laughs> and he, of course, sang Pink Elephants on Parade for Dumbo. Yeah. This guy like a- is awesome. And also, like, a stand-up dude. I remember reading I read about him on Wikipedia, too, mostly, because I was like, Thurl Ravenscroft, and I was like, oh, that guy. Yeah. So, uh, Deanna Oliver is the toaster. Um, she did not do so much, uh, so many other movies, like, for voiceover, but she was a writer for the Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures, oh, which yeah. is super cool. Yeah. Um, she, when her son uh, joined the military and was being deployed to Afghanistan, yikes, um, she, there's like a deployment ceremony, I guess, and people, other uh, soldiers in his platoon showed up with her very own toasters to have her sign, which is cool. That's cute. Yeah. And then finally rounding it out, whew, we've got Phil Hartman as uh, the air conditioner and the Peter Laurie inspired hanging lamp. So hilarious. Those are just hilarious. Like, and the air conditioner and the hanging lamp will be played by Phil Hartman. <laughs> Phil Hartman. So Phil, Phil Hartman doing impressions. Phil Hartman's a famous guy, right? He like started in the Groundlings. I didn't know this. He was he came up at around the same time as Paul Rubens and helped Paul Rubens develop Pee Wee Herman. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, fascinating. He also had a reoccurring. Um, so Hartman also co-wrote Pee Wee's Big Adventure and had a reoccurring role as Captain Carl on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, yeah. He, of course, was in Saturday Night Live for like eight seasons, um, and he was particularly famous for doing a pretty good impression of Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. Um, So Hartman based, of course, the lamp after Peter Lorre, the famous, like, you know, kind of Igor-esque character actor. Hungarian, very, very sneaky. Yes. And um, but then did you know, do you know who the air conditioner was based on? Oh, yeah. It's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. He even says peachy keen. So he wanted yeah. it to be like a shining reference. I suppose that does make sense because he's peeking out of a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also, also like this. This is like the hilarious. This gets into the, where we get to where we're kind of like, who is this for? We're like, you know, Peter Laurie, <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Those things that five year olds in the early 90s would know. <laughs> yeah. Well. And we're going to answer. So normally we start with the moral, but should we just like go straight into who is this movie for? Yeah. Yeah. Or should we give some background? Does the moral help us? I think that we can start with the moral. I was just going to say also, you know, um, 
that when you dig around, like 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 a lot of other animated films, there's a ton of people who worked on this uh, who are not, you know, these principles that we talked about. And there are a lot of people who who would go on to participate in the Disney Renaissance. A lot of the a lot, lot of the people who kind of uh, shaped how animated features are now apparently kind of worked on this movie. And it, because I don't know very much about animation, it's hard to kind of dig up and really point to them. But the, this 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 movie is kind of strangely influential. And there are a lot of talented people who we are not talking about who probably deserve more attention than they get. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's only so but, much you know, time. John Lasseter. What can you do? Yeah. yeah what yeah. can you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So. This is this is a movie for children, and just like Tales from the Crypt, which is also obviously for children, there usually is a, a, a at least a, a message token attempt to try and instruct and teach and help. And so, does does this movie have a moral? I don't think it has a moral. I think it has a message, and I think it has a couple of them. I think the message is worthless. <laughs> I think the message is everyone needs meaningful work to be happy and everybody <laughs> needs to be needed by somebody. I think I think you're about to sing a Blues Brothers song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Rubber biscuit. Do you disagree? No, I yes, I agree. I agree. There's um, also yeah. like an element of this where I feel like it's sort of like individuals deprived of meaningful work can't form communities like all these crabby apply like i think the central like hero's journey is all of these crabby appliances putting aside their like wild cruelty towards each other and like and and hatred and like learning to work together which makes me wonder is this for misanthropic children I mean, but it's so bleak anyway, though, right? Like even the new appliances basically want basically all but indirectly try to murder, try to indirectly murder the old appliances. Yeah. So even the ones who have theoretically meaningful work, there's it there's like there's no solidarity among appliances. They don't. It, it, it's sort of this weird, like the only way appliances are happy is if they're receiving positive attention from humans who don't know that they need positive attention and because they think they're objects. That's interesting. Well, I want to get into this when we talk about cut, the song Cutting Edge or perhaps consumerism, yeah, yeah, yeah. because sure, I had a sure, totally sure. different read of those appliances versus the the naive old appliances versus the slick young appliances. <laughs> also a weird thing to think about. Yeah. Oh, they're old. They don't know what's going on. It's naive. What do you think the moral is? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think the, I mean, like, I think the moral is probably kind of a, kind of a, you know, everybody, everybody needs to be loved and you, you need, I think the appliances sort of, we, we are shown or we are sort of told that though it doesn't really develop organically that these five appliances uh, sort of form their own little community and family and learn to love and accept each other. Just like the master loves and accepts them and they can be happy. Like, but I, I, I think that storytelling is pretty disjointed. Yes. And uh, the themes are kind of muddled and frankly, kind of, kind of dark and horrible. <laughs> and maybe, so they could that... have, maybe they could have cut them one of the moments of absolute terror to like show them actually weren't doing teamwork that resulted in something that worked. That well, I think or... would have been helpful. Yeah. And like Kirby, uh, I'm sorry, Thurl gets a line in the end where he's like, oh, you're just a bunch of junk. And then they all laugh, you know, because he's like, he's just, he's just, he's just being irascible. But, like, <laughs> you know, it's sort of, I don't know, it doesn't quite. Yeah. 
there's it, kind it, of what it, you it's sort of it's sort of hitting be- hitting beats and making sounds that you know what it's supposed to be saying but yes. it doesn't really doesn't none of that's earned or actually pays off i kept trying to find wizard of oz vibes from this mm-hmm. i thought it should be those and i still maintain <laughs> they put my radio be. tubes over here <laughs> I, I can't really. I, I <laughs> my plug's like, over here. But you know what I mean? Like it's like it's yeah. like kind of like this group of unlikely misfits that are all joined right. together, like all making Wait. their way to a to a beautiful city, right? So let that unlikely should, but loyal band of misfits. No, this is no pirates sense. of dark water. It should make sense. And I found and while I was like reading it, and I I ultimately think it kind of flubs it. I don't think that it's yeah. like yes. it it delivers on that promise. But I did find this amazing thing where Jerry Reese, the director, was like kind of going down this. And he's like, you know, it's like a hero's journey of collection of collection of things that represent <laughs> that uh, that represent that their function like is is interesting compared to how they behave. And he has this incredible quote, which I would like to read all of. Okay. Brace brace for word salad, folks. Blanky's an electric security blanket, but is insecure without its owner. You're like, okay, I see where he's going with this. The bright lampy is mentally dim. Okay. (laughs) Kirby is supposed to hold everything inside, but has a nervous breakdown. Uh, All right. Okay. Toaster is warm and reflective, so it can easily empathize. What? <laughs> okay. The radio is constantly switched on and entertaining. What? Like, it just all falls to bits at the end there. Like, you're like, okay, I see where they're going. Yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it does, going it, okay. And then, it like, does, it doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because, like, it's because was, like, only some of the characters actually get, get written like, you know, get written with, like, flaws. And the, the radio... The, the radio is the radio talks the most and is probably the most consistently entertaining and funny character. Yes. But because he does not have a tradi- or par- par- they don't they don't give him a traditional face. And so he kind of he's sort of like R2D2. He doesn't really have he's so he's he's fun, but it doesn't really have like really an emotional his, arc. I don't know what his yeah. deal is. Yeah. Right. It's not, and I it's, would it's, even it's, say the toaster's the same. Yeah, yeah. No, the toast yes, the toaster is the toaster is the hero in a in a computer rpg <laughs> in that it's the most bland reflect it's the character you play because like because you know it, it it doesn't really it doesn't really do anything yeah except for throw itself in gears at the end yeah no but like it barely has a personality and it's it's strange right. um i i feel like this this movie uh, i might be getting ahead of myself this movie to me feels like a bunch of uh kind of proof of concept or like animation demo kind of clips like each scene kind of is like a little self-contained like, oh look at this cool thing we can do and it kind of seems like they just sort of strung them together and and, and that's why there's not a and, and so it doesn't have a consistent sort of narrative feel or voice or tone and, and that that's what that's what this movie feels like to me i mean yeah. there, there is there is like a there is a story and stuff but it, it it feels to me like a lot of people uh kind of working on the working on little pieces of this project and um each little piece is kind of interesting um, but but it makes it difficult to try to take try to digest and extrapolate from the whole work. I would agree with that absolutely. It, it, it reminds me of exactly one other animated movie, and that is Rock and Roll. Oh, it reminds me a lot of Rock and Roll, um, yeah. where it's just sort of like it's like a bunch of it's like it has like a universe that has rules and ideas, right? Like mm-hmm. in this universe, everything that is electric or has a motor is alive 
Yeah, oh man, right? yeah, I was gonna I was gonna talk about that. Yeah, it's never explicitly stated, but you know, the chairs of the tools aren't alive, so presumably yeah. like, you have things to have that like, run on electricity, electricity are alive. And yeah. sometimes they have to be plugged in to be alive, but or to But other ooh. times, nah. Yeah, other times definitely not. <laughs> yeah. No. So it has like rules, but they're loose, and then like it's like a bunch of weird vignettes punctuated with and I love I love rock and roll. Um, like punctuated with music videos and then culminating in like a hero's journey. And you're like, oh, I suppose that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Rock and roll being sort of like, like uh, heavy metal with more of a, more of a narrative. Cause yeah, that's, what I, like, that's what, that's what I kind of thought this was a little bit like, but I think it's yeah. just cause on rewatches, the only parts I cared about are the songs. Yeah. I, yes. Yes. I would agree. I mean, they're definitely the bright light of this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I watched this with, uh, my partner and, um, CEO co-host Andrew Crawford, and he had this amazing thing to say. He was very upset that all the characters kept calling Rob master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really creepy. I agree with him. Yes. Yes. But he was like, it, it's, he's like, it's like if a very, like a high end cartoon made for a cult. Like to like teach (laughs) lessons. No, no, it is. So, so yeah, let's kind of get into this. So is the, you know, who is, so is this for kids? Who is this for? You know, I think that the, I would, I think you would agree with this. The overwhelming themes in this piece are sort of depression, abandonment, loneliness, mortality, or or obsolescence. Definitely. There's like a huge thing in here about like aging and also like, working hard and faithfully your whole life and then just getting shut away the instant you're no longer right optimal yeah there's like a whole age and then, and then sort this. of accepting that too <laughs> well kind of i mean yeah I, yeah 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 right <laughs> i i don't think i mean like this is clearly supposed to be for children i don't think the, the book sounds like it was for children really i think it was supposed to yeah. be sort of like um sort of thumbing its nose at fables. And since it appeared in a sci-fi magazine, I think it was supposed to be like kind of funny that we would have this like attachment to technology that would mean that we'd have anthropomorphic toasters running around. And that would be like something like, I think he was imagining a a future so far ahead of us such that we've like, we've um, disbanded any sense of uh, just like emotional collection, a connection to like, little physical objects and now have emotional connections to appliances. And also the, the original story doesn't have the, 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 the terrifying and horrible parts that the cartoon does. There's no, no it has its there's own no trash it smasher its, scene. You no, know, there's no, 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 no. It's, yes. it, it, just yeah. to say like, like those, those were decisions made by the people who made this media possibly for children, though I found, um, <laughs> I found a, our quote that says, you know, despite the G rating, the director said in an interview that making a kid's movie wasn't their intention. And you're like, well, no kidding. <laughs> well, and also the G rating. I mean, I, I understand that ratings have changed a lot mm-hmm. over the years. I can't imagine this not being a PG-13 movie now. Yeah, like just... a G movie now is supposed to be like for like little, little kids. And it's not just that it's scary because it is. It's also that like the themes and what happens, I don't think would be interesting to a little kid. Yeah. And this, and this movie was so right. It had this troubled production and it was put out um, under, uh, I can't remember who put it out, but it wasn't, it wasn't Disney. It wasn't a big animation studio or anything, but Disney eventually 
purchased the rights to distribute it and everything. And they used to run this thing on the Disney Channel like all the time, which is when yes. I saw which when I yep. saw it. So, you know, programming it, people it were making this choice that, you know. So yeah, it premiered at this, Sundance. This isn't like, it isn't like this is some sort of like weird art film that nobody nobody was exposed or that, you know, was sort of accidentally not for kids, but people thought it's, it was for kids. I, it seems like. Do people, you know what I mean? Like, this yes, was, well, it premiered at Sundance and people loved it, which makes sense because that's like, you know, kind sure. of an artistic like film group who I think would like kind of dig how like bleak <laughs> it is. The car is screaming. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they couldn't like get a distribute like they didn't really distribute it to like very many theaters like it ran in, in like one theater in Orlando for a while. And then but like and then somehow ended up at Disney Channel. It's like nobody watched it and they were just like, well, this is cheap. So we'll we'll play it a bunch of times. It's sort of like uh, this. It's, it's a wonderful life, right? Yeah. Where like it's just like I can't imagine this is expensive to do. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I disagree with the <sighs> Go, go, light me up, go, do it, do it. So first of all, I don't think that these themes are like accessible to children, really. Mm-hmm. Like like I I barely think that these themes are accessible to me as a 30-year-old. Like maybe if I watched the Brave Little Toaster as I'm like entering a retirement home, <laughs> it would have like great renas res- like reticence with me, but like I don't So feel, so I, oh, I don't feel it's for children. For that reason, but also I think we should get into like how scary it is. Yeah. So did you, so did you, did you ever watch, from what you're saying, it's like you don't remember watching this as a kid, do you? Here's what I think happened. And this is like totally something that I've just kind of logic together. I remember, I, first of all, I remember Brave Little Toaster being advertised on the Disney Channel for sure. sure. Yeah. Like, I remember the promos and I think, and I kind of remember some scenes of the Brave Little Toaster, but it's pretty different from what I remember it being. Mm-hmm. I think that I have probably seen a Brave Little Toaster sequel in its entirety. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen this movie in its entirety. And I suspect it was something that you watched and our mother realized it was really scary. And then, like, we never watched it again. Yeah. So I, so I like, might have seen it before I had, like, real memories. Right. Yeah. So, I like, yeah, I vividly remember watching it. And I don't what's what's funny is I don't remember the Satan clown. So maybe I came in late. But I, yeah. I vividly remember Worthless and I vividly remember being like incredibly upset by it. Like and and this yeah, was I in, do remember this worthless. was, you like, know, I, me, me as a little wiener child. And like I went through a phase where I identified strongly with Piglet, for example, and I, the electric <laughs> blanket was my favorite character. Oh, no. I mean, Ew. but also, but OK, but but bear with me here. Because it was an because the way the electric blanket looks is an object that we had in our home. And so I like understood like visually why it's cute that he has the nose and he's a child and he's little and he's soft and we need to take care of these people. And then you have like cars basically being like, we're about to die. And that's like the way it has to be. And they're smashing and murder. I mean, and like, I understood you don't have that. To explain to me why worthless is horrifying. Right. So like I remember like like. Until I revisited this now, like it still is a thing where I'm like, this is this is this was a traumatic. Exp- I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not pretending like like I have you know tremendous emotional damage or something from it. But like it, 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 it was it was it was something upsetting and it felt horrible and unnecessary. Not in a like, why do the animators do this? But like, why are why are they doing this? This is this is this is, you know, you're a kid. You're not you're not thinking about like obsolescence. You're just like. This is mean and terrible, and I can tell because you're not supposed to smash things that can talk. Yeah. Um, well, because you know that they die. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we don't even get to see like that's the thing that's really blows my mind about that whole sequence. We don't even get to see bad guys in like Disney movies die. Like the whole right. classic like falling thing is right. like such a I mean, it's cliche at this point, but like we don't even get to see right. Gaston it for a reason. Right. who stabs the beast with a Bowie knife die. And we're just like watching these cars that presumably have done nothing wrong die. That's like real tough. I Yeah. So I yeah. So do you think I know you talk about this a lot. Do you think children's movies do you think it's irresponsible for children's movies to be this scary? Uh, I, like 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 this scary? Yes, for sure. Yes. No one would disagree with you. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Do I think I think that this is definitely of an era the sort of I feel and I feel like it's sort of like Disney has some scary stuff like like the witch is horrifying in Snow White when you're a yes. kid. Yes. Um and maybe even now. But and, but now if you watch a Disney movie you're not scared as an adult and when that clown came out all of the yeah. hairs on my arms stood up. No, no, like yes. Yes. It's still scary. Yes. And and so like I think that and I think there's this idea that like no you don't condescend to kids. Kids like to be scared. And and I think that this is from that I mean, you know, right? Like Black Cauldron had came out around this same time. Dark um, Crystal. All those, all those, uh, uh, all those early Bluth animation movies that all have. I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll do Fern Gully at some point because Hexus also is like a scary thing that happened to me this when is, I was a child. Oh man! Right. But this Fern no, Gully this is, looks like looks yeah, like no Fern Gully is nothing a day compared at the to beach this. compared to this. But, but, but you know what I mean? Where there was kind of like down, right? Secrets everything, of every, everything, for, yeah. everything I saw or every animated movie I saw from this era as a kid involves some point where I had to cover my eyes because I knew something horrible was about, to, you know, and I don't when I and I now, of course, you know, watch Disney movies with my kids as an adult. But but it, it doesn't seem like we're like the kids don't need to be that terrified. Or um, I think another good example would be Return to Oz. Yes. Oh, my God. Return to Oz is this. <laughs> right. This is on yeah. par with Return to Oz in terms of, of fear factor. Yeah. And and so I think that. I think they just like went a little too hard. That's all. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that. I don't think that everything for a kid has to be just like safe pap. I think that they can. You know, kids. I think we don't give kids enough credit in terms of both like what they can deal with and what they can handle. I uh, as a, as a digression, I was speaking with my my daughter who is uh, about four years old about. Um, we're talking about the president. And I was talking. I was and I was right. I was I was like. I'm going to do it. And so I was talking about the situation with the uh, with the kids who are locked up uh, and separated from their family. And I was like, look, this thing is happening and it's and, it, you know, and it's horrible and it's sad. And she was like, yeah, that's terrible. Throw them in the trash. <laughs> and I, I want to be like, no, I'm, I'm I'm laying some heavy stuff on you and maybe your mom won't like it because it's upsetting. But, you know, this is real. And she's like, yeah, that's terrible. That's bad. We need to know. She's like, I'm offering a very right. real solution, which Nancy Pelosi will not follow for right. some exactly, reason. Exactly, exactly. So I'm just saying, like, I think sometimes we don't give kids enough credit. Also, like kids are like surrounded by fairy tales. So like the idea of, you know, cannibalism <laughs> being like locked up or lost or thrown away or. Like, yeah, they're totally that's 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 around that's in their their headspace. And I think that we, you know, I'm just saying they, they can handle it, but they don't need to see stuff that's like super, super upsetting for, for in a senseless way. Yeah, I agree with that. So I did a bunch of reading about this because like I also remember like I vividly remember covering my eyes in theaters when watching Disney movies as a kid. Sure. Um, R- Radigan was a little bit too real for you. No, I always was into Radigan. So I read a bunch about why, because I kind of think it's okay for some movies for kids to be scary. Sure. 
and maybe not this scary, but like, like how to yeah. make legitimate scary movies for kids. Um, <laughs> Child horror movies. It, kind of, yeah. So I read <laughs> I read a lot of stuff about it, and what's funny is <laughs> I didn't really agree with, so the experts say, the experts who th- agree with me at, at least that some children's movies should be scary, say that it's important because it teaches moral lessons like Little Red Riding Hood, don't trust predators. <laughs> if we don't scare children, how will they learn? <laughs> or, and it also fosters the, like kind of emotional ability to cope and like, yeah. And push yeah. through uncomfortable feelings. Um, for me, that and that, so that that's not narratively a lesson. So that's that would be for me. I remember covering my eyes for this uh, in Aladdin when Jafar turns into that big cobra. Yeah, yeah. Like, right? That doesn't teach you anything. You already know Jafar is a bad guy and that you shouldn't trust him. That's just yeah. there to make you uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Um, and probably it, also because it's, it's eminently badass to turn into an enormous snake when you're an evil. It also sorcerer. might be pseudosexual. That's something we could talk about another day sometime too. Um, <laughs> but like, so their kind of thing is like, you either need to be you need to be scared to learn something or to like develop into a grown person who's able to like function, right? Yeah, these guys, I, these guys, these guys sound like people whose child development books I do not want to read. Yeah, like players all over your chest. My argument is much simpler than that i don't really know if i like maybe that's so i mean there is a reason that we have moralistic lessons and i think it's fine to teach like obviously you need to teach kids that like all adults are not cool (laughs) like that's totally true right but my argument is much simpler i think children like adults have different tastes and some children like to be thrilled with a bit of a scare just like some adults like to be thrilled with a bit of a scare so i think that children's movies should cover, should attempt to cover, or movies that are made that are, are accessible and um, consumable if, for children should be made with a wide, to cover a wide range of genres, just like adult movies do, so that you can like have little sparks of, of imagination and ideas and interests in kids as they grow. I think that that's very important. However, yeah. however, like adult movies, right, when we go to the theater, and I go see a horror movie. I do that because I like to be scared. Like I like that. I have I've I have given consent with the purchase of my ticket to be scared. I don't think it's cool to sort of like to sort of like put this candy capsule around like very scary shit and then throw it out there for kids. Like to just like yeah. surprise, have a scary moment. Like you should have like pick those moments so that you can like spark interest in kids who might like that kind of sensation and mm-hmm. then move on with it. And Brave Little Toaster is not marketed as a horror film as far as I'm aware. And it yeah. should be. Yeah. <laughs> it should be. Secretly a horror film. But like so, like yeah. When I hang out with your kid, some t- I sometimes think that she is going to like to be thrilled. Like mm-hmm. she likes look like she uh, she wanted to look at like pictures of creepy animals on my phone one day, and I was like, "You want to do this? You're very brave." And she was like, "Thank you." <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, of course. I think she likes to be thrilled, but like I don't think that she needs to be exposed to something like this now. This is horrifying. Yeah. Yes. Like we can start with Frank and Weenie. We can start with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, like things that are they're creepy, but like not traumatizing. Right. right. And I think that's I think that's part of what makes this so horrifying that a lot of us uh, both to a child and to an adult viewer is, is sort of is sort of senseless meanness. Yeah. Well, you, you know, and, and, and some of it is just seems shoehorned in like yes. the clown is right. inexplicable. 
Right. Why it is it? And maybe it sets up like when he's hanging off that towel bar and then they're they're like trying to cross that gorge using their cords. And maybe it sort of sets up that that like he's afraid of falling into the water because it's like the horrible nightmare that he had. But yeah, that that scene that scene is is. Although I do like when the water becomes forks. That's cool. And the idea that the toaster is afraid of forks is funny, too. I but like <laughs> I think I think it would be but there's no reason for that that fireman to be a clown. Like Right. Well, I mean, know, except, except is, to be completely terrifying. Also he has horns like a devil, so Yeah. Or his hair or horns and those he horrible teeth. Sat- he's oh. a satanic clown. I actually fireman. could feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing up because I'm in that, I'm thinking about the scene. And even then even then something that would be super scary for children anyway also when the smoke becomes the hand and pulls the boy away. Because yes. ki- kids, ki- like, ab- I feel like for the most part, you know, like, abandonment is such a, like, primal child fear. Um, and it doesn't help that we also, you know, stress to children that, you know, they need to not be by them. They need to not be lost or taken away or grabbed or, you know, separated right. from the from the family. Ugh. Like, I can see even just that is very upsetting. What's weird? Okay. Yes, absolutely. What's weird? So there's two things about. The, so the clown just doesn't make sense. Like, I, I'm just like, from a narrative perspective, like, what the hell? Yeah, they were um, just like, I got this really gnarly Satan clown scene. You want to you put it in the movie? And they're like, yeah, why yeah. not? But like, the part that really blows my mind is when when it, when it the, the thing that makes me scared, now my arms are, my hairs on my arms are standing <laughs> up. It's when it zooms in and he hisses, Run. Run. Yeah, yeah, and the smoke comes Why out. Why did they make teeth. his voice like that? Like, because he's the devil. Because sh- <laughs> he's the devil. You sound just like our, our RIP grandfather. Um, it's got to be that way. He's the devil. No, that's the way the devil talks. But, like, the. Um, yeah. It's just, it's so baffling to me. Like, there's no reason, there's no reason you wouldn't give him a goofy, like, it would also still be upsetting if he had, like, a, like, clown voice, but it would be better than that. Horrifying. Yeah, right. Well, Horrifying. and even then, and, and also, the, like, like it also doesn't make any, uh, we've also made a narrative sense, but right, the, what we know at this point is that all these, toast, all these appliances want to do is be with the master. That scene with Blanky is real creepy when they think the master's coming and then like oh, Blanky God. seems to like hallucinate oh. that the whole world is oh. beautiful and golden and the little boy is coming through the front. Like I'll, even that you're like, this feels this feels bad. They keep calling him the master I'll and be, like I'll be honest, I had to pause it and take a knee at that moment. I was ready for <laughs> worthless. I was ready for the clown. Yeah, right, yeah. I was ready for all that stuff because I remembered that stuff. Like and I yeah. and I've seen clips of it. I didn't was not ready for that and that scene was haunting yeah yeah it's it's or or how about how about when jack nicholson the air conditioner like basically reveals that it's been a whole front this whole time and he's and he's basically suicidal because the little boy was never tall enough to reach the controls and never pay attention to him yes. yeah really weird whoa I do, whoa whoa <laughs> so the other thing that's weird to me about and, and kind of weird about like the the boy in general in the story so like there are no really he's the only real person in this story and his girlfriend chris later yeah. right who but, like who, who, who also slaps <laughs> yeah, she, she seems, seems great she seems great i'll be real with you <laughs> yeah, yeah um and she seems way too good for rob <laughs> <laughs> but so right so like abandon what you were saying abandonment is like such a primal child fear 
But this kind of abandonment is different from the type I think that children experience. Like I've been with your daughter when she cries, when you like when I babysit her and you guys leave, like you and your wife leave to go on a date or something like. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying, though, that like the abandonment of like being like 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 a big hand of smoke coming and pulling you out of a room away from things you love. Is like abandonment the child would understand, right? But like you've been snatched and grabbed. Sure. Being being left in a house, left in a in a vacation cottage for five years. Well, and that whole scene too, like because you see it from the toaster's perspective, and all they care about is the little boy. Like you never see Rob's right, yeah. parents. You mm-hmm. never see any adults really, except for like the appliance repair guy. Right. And you don't even see the guy who's like driving that crazy monster magnet crane thing in uh worthless, which I guess suppose they have to do so, so that it won't be like, well, actually, and then a okay. guy tried to kill Rob. <laughs> no, but- Here's my theory though. Right. The, the appliances are only, are never alive when a human being can Is sort of looking like, at them. Yes. can like, it's can like observe them. Rules. Right. It's Toy Story rules. So that so I think what's really going on is the junkyard is being run by two homicidal, by two homicidal objects, the smasher and the crane, like after hours without consent. Wow. <laughs> they're, so just, they, they're, so just, they just they're just a pair in. of murderers. So, so Ernie just comes in in the morning and is like is baffled by the amount of, of small cubes yes. that have been made overnight. It's like the cobbler in the elves. Yeah, oh, no, no. Ernie comes in and is like, I got to stop drinking at work. We smashed like twice as many cars as I remember. Yeah, Ernie smashed this is crap awesome. Out of no, as long cars. as the money keeps rolling in, Ernie's not going to ask any questions. Ernie's certainly not going to ask any questions. He just ta- but- he's mostly taking like mob payoffs to like crush dead bodies in the cars and stuff. So it's you know he, he doesn't say he doesn't say anything. Yeah, but the toaster like I think the point of that dream is that the toaster thinks that he did something that drove the little boy away. And it's this displaced heartbreak manifesting itself as guilt. Like, right? He burns the toast. The boy gets dragged away by the smoke of the toast. Then the devil clown shows up. And then the toaster (laughs) dies. (laughs) I mean, I'm on board, but I don't know where the devil clown comes in. That's why I'm saying narratively it doesn't make any sense. Of guilt and self-loathing. Satan himself, the clown. I'm saying that the devil, the devil clown is so shocking that when it happens, you forget everything. But I yeah. forced myself to pay attention to like the order of things. And I was like, well, that's yeah. weird. The toaster didn't do anything to take the boy away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And, the, and then that paired with the with the air conditioning unit killing himself over the boy because like he never had the love of the boy, the detention right. of the boy. Like, it's just it's very weird. I don't think that this is like maybe f- maybe. Yeah. A feeling children have. I hope it's not. Well, it's also weird because, you know, you would think that or like what you would think that if these uh, if these appliances validate through human contact, that the air conditioner would like have a relationship with uh, the boy's parents or mom, at least. Yeah. No and, one cares about the parents at all. They must have right, been right. like this little boy. Leads. Maybe is this little boy the golden child? <laughs> the, the only maybe that's why all the other appliances they run into are such miserable bastards. Maybe. Speaking <laughs> only, of which, Rob, Rob is like a strange appliance like empath. <laughs> maybe. Can we can we talk about the appliance repair shop? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I this this is right up your alley. Actually, so when the guy picks the um. I can't remember that. What's that? Do you remember that? Did you write down the name of the electrician? When oh, the- yes. No, it is because it's also the name. Because it reminds me of it's the name of Selma St. Elmo's Fire, a movie that I love. Oh, Elmo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Elmo St. Peter's. Oh, yeah. When Elmo. Yeah. When Elmo picks them up, I felt like he has 
you start to see sort of maybe a Lasseter-esque kind of skewering of modern culture. He has like the big monster truck because a dog named Quadruped. And he's like, obviously like a contemptible nerd, but also he's got a huge truck and I feel like like a big gulp or something. He's he's very much of the way human beings are in Wally, where it's kind of like <laughs> American culture is gross. Now he's, let's make this, this movie. Th- th- let's make more movies that are more of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that pander more to all the grossness right, yeah, that we have. Yeah. Oh, also, also, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna tell right. people that they're too lazy to recycle, even though it basically does nothing. While I actively grab everybody's tush that I work with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Get out of here, Lester, with that garbage. Although he didn't direct Wally, and I think Wally's a beautiful movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. No, but but you know what I mean. It kind of has that sort of thing where it's like we're gonna skewer the heck out of culture. Look at this guy's ridiculous truck. Look at this weird, stupid, crazy fat man. You know. Kind of Though thing. it does make sense that Lasseter directed a movie where basically it's like an entire universe of people just pandering to one boy, one special boy, <laughs> um, which this is also a movie about that. Yes. P.S. Yes. But anyway, yes. Like, what, what, what do you what, what do you want to say about the character that I will now call the good doctor? I the good doctor. <laughs> Hair I, comrade doctor Elmo I did St. not remember Peter. that part either and it is also horrifying. I'm speaking specifically about when he um when he when, when he, he murders the blender. When he vivisects his blender. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. uh, yeah, th- what is what is that about? Oh my god. Yeah, especially because like if if what they're trying if what they're trying to show is that like appliances are alive and don't take them but Okay, what does it mean to repair an appliance when the toaster, so right? Like the toaster eventually gets repaired, right? When the toaster gets repaired, is that at the cost of the life of like other toasters who had to give up their pieces to fix that toaster? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was really weird to me. Like, I, I don't understand why they didn't just make him like a tinkerer, because then he literally would have been Frankenstein. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. When we see the the John Rivers, barf, why isn't he right. a crazy old Maurice character? Right. Yes. He, and and that also would be that also could be horrifying. You do the same scary beats and everything. It would be exactly the same, except it would be like a guy coming in to like purchase something that requires a radio tube and a blender motor as opposed to asking for those as repair things. The whole like the fact that um, that uh, Elmo St. Peter's doesn't want people to know that he has a, basically like a chop shop for appliances yeah, is the, also like a weird little like moralistic message at the end. I'm like, I mean, I think it's kind of great that he's recycling. Right. Yes, 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 yes. I don't and know. It's also kind of the, the the scene. Like, it feels like it's supposed to be really funny. Like the weird stilted dialogue that he has with the customer. <laughs> oh, and the customers um, squared off dumb bear teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but no, you know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to be like funny. And then you're supposed to see that, like, it's totally different from the appliances perspective. But it's. It, like tonally it, it's really weird because it's it's horrifying and we see like the silhouette and the clip you know right but like is and that sinister oil drip of blood yeah oh my so like God. is so like is almost saint peter's a bad like is the so is the correct thing to do to like let the is it okay to repair appliances I, i'm confused yeah um or I mean, I would, he's, I, he's not I repairing them but, this i want to revisit this when we talk about consumerism Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But yes, I think that's that's that. There's, it's quite, uh, <laughs> it's quite a quite something, it's isn't a, it? It's quite something. You know what? Also, is quite something. So, as you know, I have a degree in English, 
And in and to earn my degree in English, I chose to focus on literature literature of oppression. So I read a lot of like Russian literature. I read a lot of slave narratives. I've I've read and wa- and I've watched a lot of Vietnam War films. I've read and watched a lot of sad stuff and scary sure. stuff and bad stuff. But cars singing about how they used to be something and now they're nothing before they get smashed into nothingness is one of the bleakest things that I've ever laid my eyes on. Mm -hmm. And what the crap is that about? Yeah. It's it's dark on a level that should be inaccessible to children. There's no solution offered. It's not even a moral commentary. It's just bleak meditation on what it's like to become old and infirm. Yeah. And that that scene also, like if you just cut that scene and like ran it like a music video... That, that you could total you, you could sell that to adults because it's cool and it's weird and it's messed up and it makes you feel kind of weird and bad in your tummy. Banksy would put something like this together. 100%. No, 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 but I mean, even, even just like in these sort of again, I, I keep thinking about like heavy metal or the, those sorts of things like sure, you, sure, this, sure. this could totally be in something but like, like that. But adults could watch it and they could they would be they would be like, oh, this is kind of about aging. It's also kind of about consumerism. It's about how we like treat the world around us. Like, right, right. you know, they, they would they would read things into it that would enrich the message beyond just being something bleak Mm -hmm. but it doesn't offer any of that stuff to you the viewer i don't think so you know who else maybe agreed with you donald kushner someone we haven't talked about who's one of the producers and is like that he's produced all kinds of movies halfway through the filming he in an interview uh, or he says in an interview after the movie was released that halfway through the filming he thought the nightmare scene should be cut from the film due to the clown being extremely frightening to young children he also stated that the junkyard scene worthless should be cut from the film too due to one of the cars driving into the crusher on purpose using a suicide reference and then IMDb yeah, is and it's helpful the, it's and just says na- and it's the native it's the native american car too right, right. which is for which unknown is like, reasons the scenes were left in the film for unknown what the what the <laughs> Balls is happening. Well, I mean, you and know, then, they were they were not making a children's movie was not their intention. There. <laughs> do you know that this movie was originally supposed to be two hours long? There's yeah, it's supposed to be a little bit longer. Yeah, there's thirty minutes on the floor. What did they cut and they left this? I don't. So when I read when I read though is I think it was storyboarded but not animated because okay. they had to fight. I think they originally wanted to cut it down to like an hour, and we will get to this later. But this was one of those things where everybody on the crew felt so strongly. That a lot of people like put in some overtime and worked without pay to like just make it happen so they could release a film they would be proud of. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thoughts. Oh my gosh. Thoughts coming. Um, but, 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 but just to say that I think I, so what I could find because I tried to find some of those minutes and just because you can't find them, they don't, doesn't mean they don't exist. But based on my reading, I think they were, they were sketched out. So it's known what's supposed to happen, but they were not animated. Yeah. Um, there's also some sleeper <laughs> moments of horror, which, <laughs> which I had a a a like baffled chuckle over a couple of times, just imagining what it would be like if this happened to me. And most of them are from the perspective of Rob and Rob's family. Mm-hmm. So if you went to the dump trying to find a cheap toaster and you found your childhood picture, <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah, you would yes. like you would have to like go home and really think about your life, like. I don't even know what I would make of that. I'd be like, this is a terrible omen. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> that would be insane. Insane. Also, equally, equally frightening. 
So your only son, who you clearly are kind of like a smother mother over, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Buying him too many socks and underpants. Yeah. College. Just drove off to specifically pick up a vacuum cleaner, a lamp, a radio, a toaster, an electric blanket. And then the minute he's gone, you open the front, your front door and there's a baby carriage. <laughs> With those objects. Yeah. Those exact objects. <laughs> Oh, my God, that would be the most frightening thing that's ever happened to you. I also like it when Rob busts into the um, the honeymoon. A honey- baby the- carriage. That's the most sinister way to <laughs> deliver anything to anybody in any way. I like, what? It when, I like it when Rob goes to the vacation cottage that they haven't been to for what did they say, like 2000 days or something. But they were like five years and it's all messed up. And his immediate thought is not, oh, my gosh, this place has been robbed. <laughs> yeah, he's all like, oh, I've been robbed. <laughs> like, like, he's like, oh, I wonder what's happening here. He's like, man, we really left the place really chunked up, which is really a shame because those uh, those appliances were keeping it so spick and span. So what do you think about the interlude with the flowers and the animals? Where oh, the, my God. I mean, even the, even that is kind of like not it's, it, it, you know, even that is is not unalloyed like light. And I'm not just talking about the flower that falls in love with its reflection and then dies. dies? Or allows itself to wither. I, I count that among one of the suicide yeah, right, references in this right. film. Yeah. And I mean, even even some of the other stuff there seems a little bit darker than it should be. There's that that worm definitely almost gets eaten a couple times. Uh, yeah. and, and not like in a fun, not, not in a fun way. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's... no, no, no. You could have just made it a worm. It didn't have to have a face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that whole scene was really weird. It reminded me, um, I think that the movie Bambi is a little bit trippy at times. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me like the way the flowers are animated, like the big field of flowers reminded me of, of Bambi, where it kind of takes you into this like magical realism space mm-hmm. that's like uncomfortable to be in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I was very uncomfortable. Like when all those mice started to like hang out, like rat, like cuddle up inside Blanky, I was like, they're going to eat them. This is yeah. horrible. Well, like, it, yeah. 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 And then the whole scene with the flower was so upsetting. So like the flower, he finds the flower. And the reason the flower is there is because there's one little patch of sunlight, which allows a flower to grow, but only one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No, no then, friend. No buddy flower. No buddy flower. And then the flower sees its reflection f- like is so relieved just just as the toaster would like and then you and you always have this like reflection thing where like maybe the toaster is rob because to- the rob keeps seeing himself in the toaster mm-hmm. you know so wait is this a jacob's ladder it might be a jacob's ladder I, what i'm saying is every uh, rob was dead from the beginning yeah Rob That's crashes. Rob crashes his car after the credits roll bob is he's the, rob, rob rob is, is the texan in, rob is the texan they might be in Dallas. That would make sense. <laughs> um, and then and then the toaster rejects it and then it just withers away. That's super sad. Um, who has who tangles around with the squirrels? I mean, like, I think it's in there because it's it's close to what happens in the book. Kind of. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Like the book, they interact with like woodland creatures. Like the entire time you watch that, you're just on edge. And then at the end of it, they're all like, bye. And they seem really happy. And you're like, wait. Weren't those animals going to, like, mess you guys up? Yeah. Yes. And and I think maybe part of it is that it's supposed to, like, show the toaster that he needs to be nicer to Blanky. Which, it's also weird when they're all so mean to Blanky when he wants to, like, cuddle and sleep. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, well, that also... But, I mean, I, like, I know that Blanky is kind of the worst. 
But that's like well, the way he is. Well, and also they're like coworkers. Like if your co- one of your coworkers like, hey, friendo, at like a no, like, but like remember, but I mean, yeah, but, no, but, but, right, but we've already seen the establishing shot at the beginning where like where they they where Blanky winds up sort of on top of them and like wrapped up around all of them and. They, they seem like they're like the idea that these guys have to like learn to be a family is weird because we we seem to that seems to be the case from the beginning. Right, these they are just like fight all the time. But yeah, right. But the but the fighting is mostly between like Lampy and the radio. And it's like a jokey kind of like, ha you know, yeah. uh, I mean, I Kirby know. seems to, to genuinely hate all of them. But yes, <laughs> no, um, Kirby's just a Kirby's just a grump. I mean, OK, how Kirby's Kirby? just your old grumpy grandfather who served in World War II and has and, to pretend like he doesn't have PTSD for America. And also probably has epilepsy, right? I thought it was cool that he runs over his cord and that makes a wig out. But that also is kind of a weird scene. Oh, yeah. What what is happening there? Yeah. That like, I mean, just, yeah, yeah. That, that, just like more stuff. We're just like, really? You yeah. do that movie? OK. Well, now I just know how to ha- like really ruin someone's day. If I really wanted to ruin someone's day, I would just plant a picture of them at the dump and then make them go to the dump. <laughs> you, Seems like very, very upsetting. Should so we talk about want, the songs? Yeah, so you want to talk about the, the, the high point of this movie, all the songs? Oh, Weirdly man, the songs are written so by Van Dyke Parks. <laughs> sort of strange, strange connection. I mean, the personnel in this picture is, is kind of like stellar and This picture is stacked. Yeah. So I'm saying so, Island of Misfit Toys, except Van Dyke Parks is like definitely that lion with wings who should not be there because that's <laughs> badass. King Moon Racer. Yeah, who King I, Moon who, Racer. Who, who, who sidebar, I as a child always thought was named King Moon Razor. But that's because like, I grew up in the 90s and there were like Spawn comics and stuff. But like Moon Razor is awesome. <laughs> Moon Razor is a way better name. It's what he should be called. Yeah, um, yeah he was de- he was definitely there out of pity. I'm, I'm actually worried about his self-esteem such that he had to hang out with all those misfit toys. Yes, yes. So let, let's tackle the, the songs in uh, chronological order. City of Light, you got anything you want to say about this? Um, first of all, I want to say, yes, I do have lots to say about City of Light. <laughs> um, why? Do you not have anything? I mean, I'm like, it's fine. Master has a plan. <laughs> A plan I can understand. Here's something that I, I didn't really think had like ma- massive payoff, but is like I think is so clear in this song, and it's weird. It's a weird aspect of it, and that is um, pastoral versus urban life. Mm-hmm. So they leave the country because time is standing still. They say that time flies by in the city. Time right. stands still in the country. I'll be satisfied just not to be denied to reside with some pride while I ride to the city, the city of lights. So it's like it's this weird it's this weird sort of meditation on urbanization. Mm-hmm. And because they're tools, they're like man, tools of man. It seems to me like it's like. You have these tools rejecting the land in favor of the city, which I would think would be a, a point in consumerism's column for this movie. Mm-hmm. But it's weird. They, there's not really any payoff. I mean, eventually they do get to the city. That's yeah. when I when I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is like Wizard of Oz, because Wizard of Oz also right. has yep. sort of yep. this like bleak pastoral view, which then is is saved by a city. But then the city turns out to be false. So they have to go back. Right. It's going right? to turn out. The, the master was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> or like the master was on your feet the whole time. I was the um, ma- the toaster was the master all the time. Yeah. Well, and I thought we were going to get some payoff on that because they leave the city to go to college. And I thought that they were going to end up at like a, like a college kind of in the middle of nowhere. But right. you just don't know where they end up. 
Right. So I thought right. that was an interesting, like, I think all the songs are very clever and introduce and introduce but, interesting ideas. Which are not, which are not followed up on. Instead which of don't have where, any payoff. Yeah, no. right, right. Yeah. The, it it kind of seems like he was like, write some songs. He's like, got it. Again, it's the whole thing where in the same way, they're like, let's do like a neat scene where the toaster like interacts with a flower and the flower wilts because that's kind of weird and cool. And we can show some reflected animation. It'll be fun. And then they get, they get, you know, <laughs> they get Van Dyke Parks and they're like, you want to write us some songs? Here's some loose ideas. What do you think? And l- writes a bunch of kind of cryptic, 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 heavy handed lyrics that eh, we're not going to really do anything. Also, I think the mixing on this, um, I don't know if it was the version we listened to or uh, just the way it's recorded. I feel like the vocals aren't quite loud enough and distinct enough. They're really enough. low. They like the music steps all over them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is sort of too bad because there's all this funny, clever wordplay. Um, the the and, songs are super complex, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, I really wish there was payoff on this because I I think a story about indoor right. like, in, in, yeah, creature yeah, the- comfort appliances talking about civilization versus pastoral beauty and in reference to and then layering that on top of like a meditation on modernity would be really cool. That's yeah. a really cool movie. Yes. But it doesn't happen. And this occurs <laughs> early enough in the movie that you're like, oh, maybe this is going to be OK. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, like I was like, oh, this movie might have like some deep themes that I'm like going to be super into. And I, I also really this is it. the most, I think, traditional like Disney animated feature sort of song that happens. Yeah. It's a classic hero's journey. It's the let's get down to business of this song. <laughs> of this one. Agree or disagree? <laughs> Tell I mean, me I'm bit. wrong. A little bit. That's also an action montage song, though. That's a training. That's a guys doing stuff. <laughs> guys being dudes. Who are your guys? Dudes being guys? gross. I know who Rob's guy is. It's a toaster, a lamp, a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I know who all of the appliance guys are. It's just one guy. The and it's master. Rob. Yeah. Master. Um, yeah. All right. B-movie. A little bit of Rocky Horror energy. Lots of I classic love, horror references. I love this song, even though I don't think it makes a lick of sense. It's a house of wax. Oh, man. When I was a kid, that Peter Laurie lamp scared the you know what out of me, too. I don't really remember the song. I don't remember the bleeding blender. But I remember that 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 weird overhead lamp of being like, that thing's got problems. <laughs> it's creeping me out. There were there, there were actually many moments that made me laugh in this like like jokes that oh, yeah. landed for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's and not the, home on the range. Well, and this song is full of this, but the my the joke that I laughed at the most, and this happens right before the song, when he like when after the guy like brood after uh, Elmo murders that blender, and right. you're seeing it drip, and then the lamp comes down. He's like, "Oh, he's so spontaneous!" Yeah, I yeah, laughed yeah. so hard. That is a really funny joke. You never joke, quite but I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. But children, that's not for children. Like what? <laughs> what the heck? Um, <laughs> Yeah. I also this this so uh, you'll be pleased to know um, every year uh, Andrew Crawford CEO fellow CEO or uh, <laughs> makes a Halloween mix and this year this song is going to be on the Halloween mix. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it slaps. It yeah, it's great. Slaps. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, I this, do, this this also. Oh, go ahead. Oh, the I, the part where where the where the um the the core. Well, I don't know what's what's the what's the term for five things. Not the quartet. That's four. The, the quintet. The quintet 
come in and um, and have their own little singing part where, b- led by Blanky with, there goes the sun, here comes the night, somebody turn on the light, somebody tell me that fate has been kind. Yikes. Yeah. Who again, is that for? Again, again, no payoff. I mean, it's the same way. The it's kind of like the song has better ideas than the movie does, or than the story does. Because, yeah. right, as, as you point out, you know the um the Joan Rivers like tinkerer thing is like a great idea because it's like Frankenstein or you know sort of a stitching together. But like now we know that, that, that that's total throwaway. I do like the uh I like the fan with the like helicopter head. That's cool. Yeah, with the teeth. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I don't really know what to make of this song in terms of like the story, but I'm very glad it's there because it's Yeah, I think this is good. this is more just kind of a mood thing. Yeah, they get the it, it, it's 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 just playing up the whole mad doctor uh, horror movie kind of piece. And then I so I was trying to connect it to other fables. I was like, well, maybe this is like kind of like a three bears thing where it's like, well, maybe cuz like there is a thing in stories for children, right? Where they're on a hero's journey and they don't make it to where they're supposed to go, but they end up someplace that might be okay, and then it has to become clear that it's definitely not okay. Right. So, like, it does make sense from that perspective. I don't mm-hmm. think it needs to be, like, a murder chop shop for appliances. Right. Like, they basically go into a building that the human equivalent would be, like, if you, like, stumbled into a cabin that was full of, like, had, like, a head in the refrigerator and buckets of arms and legs hanging around. Right, right. It's very weird. It's very weird. But it's also just kind of weird, though, too, because we also accept, again, we accept that, like, spare parts are just a thing. So, like, do these, <laughs> does, like, a drunk, so, like, a drunk drawer is, like, an like like an abattoir to these guys? Or, like, do they, do, do they get real upset, like, seeing batteries, <laughs> like, in a, in, in, you know, like, how does it? Yeah. Well, a battery attached to the, to the desk chair is not alive. It's true. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But I mean, neither is the plug. I don't know. It's just weird. It's 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 uh it's, it's it, yeah. It's fine. But yeah, this totally is the oh this this totally is the part of the movie where you where they're where they're cold, they're hungry, and they find the castle, and they go in the castle, and the guy invites him in, and then it turns out that he's the you know he's a he's a vampire. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He's yeah. he's the he's, mad he's the mad bomber, and uh, he's Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, and actually when I was describing, it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a part of a horror movie where yeah. you find out the guy you thought was like, OK, the whole time is the murderer. That's that's the time this happens. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's fine. Is, oh, also very dark when they're getting sucked down in the mud and Blanky says, I'm not scared. It's like Blanky, are you accepting your death? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he's like, I see it. It's warm. I see my family. I see all the sunbeams. I'm going to die and go to heaven where Rob is. Me and Rob and probably some electric blankets uh, of of old and also a heating pad are all going to be friends. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we go to cutting edge? Yeah. More, more, more. So can we just can we address the elephant in the room? All of the evil modern appliances are awesome and they're very 80s and they have keypads and stuff that look oh, like I, lo- I love when teeth. that like touchtone phone is bragging about itself that was right great. that's also super funny yes right so why is the eggplant lamp lumped in with the <laughs> he's not a, he doesn't look new or the pink sewing machine no but i mean the pink sewing machine maybe compared to like an old school sewing machine i don't know i just mean like he's just a lamp <laughs> 
<laughs> like they they, he, they, they made some uh, weird choices. And he's also, I think, the most prominent of the new appliances. You know, this is, I don't know. like. Well, I think what they were trying to go for is I think they were trying to, what they should have done is they should have fully committed to having moderner versions of the appliances that were coming. Like, so they do that with the toaster oven and the toaster. Right. Well, right. And they, and they kind of try to do it with the lamp and then the purple, the grimace lamp. Right. Yeah. The eggplant lamp. Uh, grimace lamp. Yes. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't insult penises so much. Come on. <laughs> But then they don't really like there. There really isn't like they should have had like a little dust buster instead of the big vacuum cleaner. Right. We see. Right? We see the. We see the 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 evil double headed vacuum for a oh, second. That's of the right. Sun. Yeah. That's right. And then uh, do we have something that's like blanky? No. Uh, although, like, what is a modern electric blanket like? Like, is it an, is it an anthropomorphic electric waterbed going to come out? <laughs> that would be very eighties. Oh, that would be so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then the radio would obviously be like a TV. Yeah, like that, any that, of the or that, that, that weird like reel to reel player or whatever. No, the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the boom box, the boom box too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, like it's okay. I, I just mean that like the lamp should not have been the one that they. And, and especially because we already see, don't you remember? Like when they start singing at the beginning of the song, there's that. Is, I think it's a lamp, right? There's this thing that looks like it's like a pole with sort of three lights on it. One of which oh is yeah, the yeah. That, it's the it's like the dorm room lamp that everybody yeah. had. Right, right. That's that's what should have that that should take the that place of the be, eggplant. That should be lampy. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, this song is pretty I mean, good. I I liked the song a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, both from a like a like a I enjoyed the music of it. Um, like I did all of them, but I love how different all the songs are. And mm-hmm. this one is especially you're like, oh, it's like little genre pieces. That's fun. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Um, it's, it's very eighties. So very eighties. So 80s. Um, and I, there's like some funny things. I like the thing where the like the plane roars through the side of the apartment building. And then I think and what do they write? So like act, it's like actual simulation or something. Versus funny like actual that. demonstration. Yeah, actual demonstration. Really, that's really funny. That's yeah, really because it's, it's it's basically like all of these appliances bragging about themselves as if they were on a uh, like, like an a, infomercial. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's 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 funny. It's a funny song. I love the line "Ultra Nylon Life of Ease." Ooh, yeah. Like can you imagine this song? Yeah. This song potentially kind of takes us back to City of Lights in that you're like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, what's funny about this though is, um, I think that for me and as a child, the idea that the other appliances are going to be mean to our heroes and throw them out and are making them like and are like hurting their feelings and making them feel bad. All, is, is sort of a horrifying thing, too. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, they, they basically come into a den of murderers. And yeah. the, and even the radio, like, jokes about it. He's like, ah, I've never seen so many smiles when they're all, like, have those sinister grins. It's yeah. scary. Yeah, the, yes. sin- the sinister teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this, I feel like, is an appropriate level of scary for a child if you have follow through with a message about consumerism, but I don't really think it does. So I mean, I the kids don't even need necessarily. I mean, I don't know if the kids need a. It seems like an appropriate level of scare, I will say, versus the yes. satanic clown. Yes, yeah. Or yeah, versus no, I agree. I agree. I'm just the saying the song like, coming up, which is horrifying. I would just say though that um, so so I read I was reading um about you know kind of uh, uh brave little toaster so scary kind of stuff online, <laughs> and there's yeah. a lot of people who are like. And by the way, all these garbage, instantly dated, bad looking 
modern, modern in quotes, appliances, as opposed to the timeless beauty of these mid-century. <laughs> and you're like, dude, I don't know if you're, I, I don't know if you quite get the point. It's, <laughs> the point is not like that, 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 uh, that the, you know, the, the easy bake oven looks stupid and the toaster is a great, looks like a great classic shape. Yeah. Well, it just shows you that like, that <laughs> just shows you that everything will come back around eventually. It's right. just that that's in vogue. Oh, the death of an author. Swings and roundabouts. A, yeah. I think that's a fair, it's a fair modern read, provided you accept that it was not intentional. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you, you know what I mean? I like, like the, yeah. as you say, that the, the, the wired phone, although it's also super funny to think that in the eighties, a, a phone is breaking. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't, that doesn't seem especially modern. It would be, it should be a super clunky, like uh big cell know. phone. Yeah. 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 Like one of those well, big but bricks. It's, it's touch tone, not rotary. I suppose. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about worthless. Obviously, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. What, what else mentioned. can we say? Oh, hey, I just want to say, I feel like it has a Pink Floyd vibe. I think it's those sinister little cubes that come out. Yes. Yes. Like it feels very the wall to me. Yeah. How about how about this line from the surfer? There were bikinis and buns and weenies. Fellini just couldn't forget. I, well, I don't know if Fellini <laughs> has anything to do with it. But oh, but I, I think love... Fellini has something to do with both buns and weenies. Wow. And um, bikinis. But I, I, lo- I love the fact. It reminded me that I love to call hot dogs weenies <laughs> and wieners. <laughs> it's like my favorite weird thing to do, especially when they serve hot dogs at lunch at my workplace. Occasionally they'll do a brag, hot dog. Brag. Brag, brag. Occasionally they'll do a hot dog. And I love I love asking my coworkers, oh, you're going to get a weenie? Mm-hmm. Getting weenies? Okay. <laughs> I just think you're weird. So I think all the songs except for City of Light are kind of scary, which is an interesting decision. Yeah. And even City of Light, I think, has sinister tones. Yeah. But some of that might be just because we know what happens, though, too. Do you think this film represents a critique of consumer culture? Does this have anything important to say about the way we treat our inanimate brethren? <laughs> I think it tries to, but I think it flubs it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What do you think it's trying? What do you think it thinks it's saying? Or what do you think it's? What are the gestures? How's it? It was just kind of flailing around where it's like, no, they need to be nice to the toaster because the toaster is the toaster loves the boy. I mean, I think it's I think ultimately it's supposed to be like community and taking care of things is important. Yeah. But that's like so like mealy mouth. You don't need. I don't don't know. The thing that, that that really flubs it for me is that there is no like clear moralistic message of what you're supposed to do instead. So yeah. clearly the wor- the Ernie's Ernie's um dump and smashing those cars for worthless is wrong. Like like you're not supposed to have a death panel for old cars. Okay. Right, yeah. Okay. But then paired with St. Peter's chop shop, you're also not supposed to repair old appliances. Or if you do, and, they have to be made with like new factory made parts. Maybe, maybe this is a uh, maybe this is the big auto industry. <laughs> so it seems to have like kind of an anti recycling message. Like it, this seems like it'd be easy to fix. You could even maybe have worthless potentially toned down a bit, and then show them being made into new cars at the end, yeah. and be like, oh, okay, well maybe some of this is okay, you know? Or yeah. you could have like Ernie's Chop Shop. For applying or like you'd have, you know, like make it a Frankenstein thing as opposed to like a repair situation. Because like, yeah, I had the same question you had that's front, which is like, so Rob repairs that toaster. So if he's not just like popping dents out, 
Like what other toasters had to die? Yeah, and and, and, and maybe there to is make that happen. I kind of feel like the thing is it's just ultimately bleak. All appliance, every appliance wants to be used by their master, but the people don't care. And there's no solidarity among appliances. Appliances don't care about each other. They don't. They're not trying to help or understand. And if you're, and it's just sort of like step on the neck of the guy underneath underneath you to get to the top, because buddy. The humans won't love you forever. And uh, being junked is like being murdered, <laughs> literally. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like no no safety net, no guarantees, no consideration. The appliances are 2019 millennials. <laughs> and maybe maybe indie animators in the late 80s, right? Maybe. The appliances are workers, people of the corporations. Uh, this is interesting because Pixar is, of course, a Silicon Valley style darling company. I read lots of gross articles about Pixar from the early to mid 2000s where it's like, you know, oh, it's so great. And like people work such long hours that they serve that they have their own little pizza kitchen and people just never want to leave. And they're just working and they're having such a good time. They don't need a union because they're just so motivated and excited about how creative. And um, as we all know, right, Pixar um, and Disney at large has been implicated in wage fixing, misogynistic culture. Um, Pixar animators are paid less than Disney animators because Pixar animators don't have a union. Um, there is uh, the, one of the highest one of the highest ranking female executives at Pixar is a lady named Lori McAdams, who was uh, who was one of the original uh, kind of, you know, got in at the ground floor and rose to a high position in HR. She is leaving the company basically because she helped clean up Matt Lasseter's messes. Um, oh it's you know, you know, what I mean, like it's right. Like, I mean, and and who? Of course. Right. Of course, because a corporation is just as like it, it is as uncaring as the human beings are in this movie. <laughs> they don't yeah. care. You know, right. And it feels it feels like a rough cut for like what Pixar would later come to represent. Of course. Is, no, for sure. Yeah. Which is like, you know, like it's a very adult story pitched to children, like the idea of having a story about. And I, and I think, you know, like I think that all the things that versus consumer culture, I think that potentially Brave Little Coaster Toaster has interesting things to say about aging. Mm-hmm. But then there's no there's no like kind of advice on what one should do. Like you yeah, said, you know, it's yeah, bleak. it's kind of like, yeah, just like, oh, it sucks. Yeah, it's so it's terrible. sort of like it's sort of like like up fixes that problem. So like I I see a lot of connective tissue. I mean like obviously the one you want to connect to it is Toy Story because yeah. you got well, the Laster collection connection and it's inanimate objects. But I thought well, a lot and, of that and, and, and the notable thing there, well. right? Like like Elmo Saint Elmo Saint Peter is of course uh, Sid the the kid with the busted toys. But right, like he makes these Frankenstein monsters, but it turns out they're not mean, and they help, and all the toys help each other. You know, yeah, no, and- no, it fixes like Toy Story fixes a lot of things. But like in terms of up, like there's actually like a lot of weird connective tissue there where yeah, like yeah. you have you also have like pastoral versus modernity or versus uh, civilization and urbanization. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the house has to die kind of. Mm-hmm. You right, know? Yeah. Well, and and, like and you what do you and what do you do? What do you do when when your purpose has run out and how yes, do you find new purpose? Aging. And, but it offers you advice. It's like, get back yeah, out there. Yeah. Toy Story. Find, and, and the to- find a little kid that you can hang out with. <laughs> well, and all the Toy Story movies kind of do this a little bit where where, you know, kind of they're about aging or 
I mean, you know, um, the, the, the most recent, the most recent one with the whole lost toy storyline, which can be sort of a like, like, like death and mortality kind of, you know, like they kind of gently, they're gently serving you like a message that an adult can be like, Hey, you know, I can see how that, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Toy Story or um, Pixar in general and Toy Story definitely like cleaned up. I mean, like you can even see. So like Toy Story three would be about Andy, like selling his toys at a yard sale and then uh, and then Woody being forgotten and living in a box in the attic for 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. if, If it was made with the Brave Little Toaster sort of sensibility. It kind of is, though. Doesn't he, like, give his toys away in Story Yeah, Story he gives them to a little girl who plays with them. I mean, like... Eventually, at the end. Yeah, but isn't yeah, yeah. he, like, almost sold or something? I don't remember the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, but but no, I'm just saying, like, no, but, like, Brave Little Toasters have, like a, like, a bleak, sad, horrible ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely rough around the edges. I read the relationship between the new and the old appliances as the new appliances don't so much care about the people. They, they do like being used, though, and they like their newness. And it's really about like the naivete of these old appliances showing up and then realizing that they are like mortals, like they didn't know because they were stuck out in that little cabin. But these appliances are like acutely aware that their their novelty and their newness and their features Mm-hmm. are absolutely what makes them worth it to other people and that once once something better comes along once the new iteration comes along they will also be removed so that's why they like kill these old appliances i mean maybe yeah but again it's just like a dog eat dog man right but that's the reverse of that is the story between woody and buzz in mm-hmm. the first toy story right yeah. oh yeah like yeah. Buzz mm-hmm. shows up he's the new guy right he's woody the new favorite toy by it yep. so he literally pushes him doesn't he push him into that? Uh, he pushes him out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he does exactly what these what these appliances do mm-hmm. in Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. This actually kind of hints at what what I was going to ambush you with talking about how this com- how does this connect to the Toy Story franchise mm-hmm. um, and Pixar in general, right? Because Lampy is definitely the Pixar lamp, right? Yes. <laughs> and this is like the grim and gritty preboot of Toy Story. Yep. And the, up and cars, right? Yeah, so, and the um, famous Pixar heads will notice the A113 number shows up a lot. And in this, that's the master's apartment number. That's the mm-hmm. um, Cal Arts Animation Studio classroom number that uh, Laster apparently did a lot of work in. So it shows up in all the, all the oh, movies. Oh, that's cool. I thought it was like somebody has an alley in their life, but no. Yeah. And I think, I think the difference here, I, I wrote this in my notes, is there sort of a difference between like, thematic adultness or like thematic stuff that's for adults and like textual adultness so you can make a you can make a cartoon for a kid that's about like getting old and dying but also making a cartoon for a kid that is that 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 has that as a theme versus that as something that just happens in it (laughs) uh yeah i think it's sort of the, the the distinction i would draw between the toy stories and brave little toaster yeah, I mean, it feels like a crude attempt to to weave some of this stuff in, and it, it like got away from them. Yeah, yeah. Who is your favorite character and why? Oh man. Um. So, the problem is that the characters don't have a lot of, a lot of anything going on. It's not. Well, the co- come come on. No, who did you enjoy the most? Who you? So you already started this by saying you enjoyed Blanky the most as a child. Yeah, yeah. Which is like total. Oh. No, I um. I would say that my two favorites are 
I like um, I like uh, John Lovett says the radio just because the radio is funny. And I like all the like weird like like the radio seems to be kind of stuck in like a 1940s mentality. Uh, that's funny. Um, and then, of course, Thurl Ravencroft as <laughs> Ravenscroft as as Kirby. But that's just because I like Thurl. Like like Kirby's a little bit the worst. <laughs> He is, but he does get some good laugh lines. Yeah, yeah. He gets I have the stuff. same. I have the same two favorite characters. Although my favorite character when I was a kid, uh-huh. based on my limited understanding, was Lampy. Yeah. And I think that the reason Lampy was my favorite character is because he has a little bit of a sir his vibe about him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I enjoyed. It's like he's like I. I kind of disagree that he's dumb. I don't think he is. I mean, he. He. Yeah. He is inconsistently he, dumb. Yeah, like sometimes he doesn't understand basic things. Like I remember, so- like someone tells him this like fantastical lie, and he's like, "Oh wow!" and like <laughs> believes them. He seems a little naive, yeah, yeah. but like I don't think he's dumb per se. And also, he's like brave as hell when he like charges up that. Yeah, yeah I was saying, like, we didn't even Damn! mention we didn't even mention him getting hit by lightning and blowing his bulb out. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, is he dead too?" <laughs> Whoa, crazy. <laughs> I like all Crazy. the times that Lampy is able to light his light bulb up while while explicitly not plugged in. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's all good. Um, but definitely the radio got the most laugh lines. This might be my favorite John Lovitz role. Oh, man, you like him better than in um, League of Their Own? Oh, no, he's super good in League of yeah, Their yeah. Own. But there's a lot. John, Lo- John Lovitz was like really hitting it back then. I mean, he was he was really good. Super good. Um, yeah, I do really like him in League of Their Own. I, but there's so much good in League of Their Own that he's like just like one of many jewels. And in this, he really shines because yeah. like anytime the radio talks, you're pretty sure you're going to be like entertained. The radio made me laugh aloud many times. But again, he doesn't. He also, though, he's funny, but it, it sort of speaks to the positive characters that like he doesn't he doesn't really get like a whole lot of characterization, but nobody really does. No. Soul injection. <laughs> you want to rate this turkey? Yep. Mary, ladies first. Oh my gosh. Dealer's um, choice. So I would like to make it very clear that I don't think this is a movie for kids. Sure. But if you did, if you if you accept that this is a movie that maybe you could watch in like a marathon session with rock and roll and like heavy metal. I think it's it's pretty enjoyable. I give a lot. I gave so I would say it's like a two just on a basic level. Mm-hmm. But then I think the songs are so good. I gave it an extra point. So I call this a three out of five boasting toaster ovens. Oh ho! So I um I I largely agree with you. Um I but I would go uh, in in a slightly different direction where I think it's about a two. But yeah, the songs are good, so you should just watch the YouTube thing, which we can probably link to. That's just the songs, and you don't have to watch an upsetting cartoon. Um, and so I, I give this one um, two amputated blender motors. Oh, yep. Yep. Well, so next time we'll be back to the our regularly scheduled Tales from the Crypt uh, content. Um and we're going to keep the self-referential train rolling. So we're going to pick back up from uh, Corman's Calamity. And at the same time, answer a long time, a long held uh, Crypt Creeper's question about the leathery Muppet we know and love, the Crypt Keeper. When we get his origin story called Lower Birth. Wow. Wow, Mary. This is an episode I didn't even know I wanted.
It's an episode I don't think anyone wants, but we'll see. Can it be worse than this Carmen's is... Calamity? Stay tuned. Once again, uh, thank you for listening to Crypt Creepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. If you subscribe, rate, and review us, that helps us out. Um, and be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash crypt-creepers to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. We are We are pleased to announce that at this time, or at a time very soon after this episode drops, kind of depending on how things all work out. We will have presence on Twitter and Gmail. You'll be able to find also us. Instagram. Oh, and Instagram. You'll be able to find us at CryptSibs on Twitter. That's Crypt, as in Tales From, and Sibs, as in S-I-B-S, siblings. And um, we also have a Gmail uh, address at CryptSibs at gmail.com. So if you love it, if you hate it, Drop us a line. Let us know. Tell us what you like. Totally. All right. So uh, the Brave Little Toaster, and as I've been referring to it in all of my text messages to you as the BLT, (laughs) is fairly bleak. But ultimately, the titular character does save the day. So let's give him his due and and lift our glasses and have a toast for butter days. (laughs) Oh man. <laughs> Worthless. Outrageous.